This is the Thoughtful Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Kendall of the notaballerina.com travel blog. Every episode, I'll share travel tales from several fellow travel lovers, and together we hope to entertain and inspire you, remind you of some of your own great travel experiences, and encourage you to hit the road again soon. Hello and welcome to episode 291 of the Thoughtful Travel Podcast, Things Going Wrong on Our Travels. Yep, people are always telling me stories about when things go wrong and they just keep falling into episodes together. It's a a recurring theme over all the seven years of this podcast and there's some great stories in today's episode that I just have to share. Before we get started, of course, um, I'd just like to pay my respects to the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation, where I'm recording this podcast today. Now, this popular topic of things going wrong intrigues me. Like, why do we love this so much? So I did a little bit of reading and I went down some interesting psychological rabbit holes. And, you know, I was kind of just you know, trying to figure out why we like and why we like to remember and tell stories about things going wrong. Um, Obviously, there, you know, there are always stories where things ended up okay. Otherwise, uh, you know, I guess they wouldn't be here to tell me about them. But um, one thing I found particularly interesting on my rabbit hole research was that our memories about negative experiences are apparently, according to research, much more accurate than our memories about positive experience um, you know how you know every time we tell a story, it tends to get a little bit altered, and sometimes I'll go back and read notes or a journal entry from something that happened a long time ago, and it's actually quite significantly different from the story I you know now tell about that event. Uh, not intentionally, it's just things change over time, I guess. Um, yeah, it's the nature of storytelling. But anyway, this research rabbit hole suggests that. Although my guests on other episodes might be embellishing or altering their stories, apparently the ones in the tell of things going wrong, the these kind of stories, are the most accurate of all. So I bring you three stories of uh, things going wrong uh, with the, the most accurate uh, kind of retelling that you can do, apparently, according to research. So let's get on to these things going wrong. The first one is... Uh, both horrifying and hilarious. I chatted with Nora Livingston in Canada. So Nora uh, is part of Animal Experience International and we'll talk actually more with Nora about exactly that in future episodes. But in for the purposes of this story, you just need to know she was running a volunteer trip to Kenya in the Great Rift Valley, a volunteer trip to do some uh, animal based volunteering. I did actually check with Nora just before I recorded this episode whether the place she refers to is somewhere you can still volunteer at, but not at the moment, she tells me. But this is unrelated to this story. Anyway, I will let Nora explain what happened in Kenya. A story I often tell is one about my mom and I in Kenya. We were at a wildlife center and it was citizen science. And so we were working with the Rothschild's giraffe and uh, it's a very interesting, very cool giraffe. And basically there's two scientists at the center and to get good hygienic data and science, you just have to have a lot of data points. And so it's so great to do citizen science because you go out with these scientists and they tell you what to do. And then you 
count the giraffes, you do behavior monitoring, they tell you what you're looking for and how to put it down. And it just means the more eyes on more giraffes, we understand conservation better. Mm -hmm. And so it is, you know, it's not a, a terrible volunteer job to drive through the Rift Valley and then just hang out in the sun looking at giraffes. Oh, it is. Sounds like my perfect day. I love right? giraffes. <laughs> <laughs> what a burden. So we had finished our giraffe work for that day. And there's all kinds of extra projects, of course. And there's other animals at this particular uh, conservancy. They don't do rehabilitation, but they do have just like quite a big tract of land that animals come and go and they're protected there. So some of the work was walking through this area and picking up uh, things that, that poachers had left, picking up snares mm. and wire and things like that. And also so amazing, like you're hiking through this area and just 100% helping animals because there's not a snare on the ground mm. anymore. Mm -hmm. um, you know, every time we pick something up, we know an animal's not going to get hurt. And then we go around a corner and there's a bunch of zebras. There's this. And so there are hides at the center um, for people to watch Cape buffalo and, and, and different sorts of antelope, uh, uh, dictics. Uh, there are lions there. But the hide itself needed a bit of work. And so we were told, oh, we're just going to go. We're going to like cut some grass with pangas, with machetes. Sounds great. So we get in, um, it was not really like a, a Land Rover. It was by Maruti. It's a bit smaller, but we all pile into it. Me and my mom and uh, two other volunteers, uh, all from Animal Experience International. We, uh, it was a, a group expedition. This is important to note because I was responsible for everyone. Oh, okay. Right. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. What is happening? Where do things turn? So we get, <laughs> we get out of the car, uh, out of this like land rover, and we start moving rocks and we're like cutting down uh, some grasses. We're walking towards the hide. Uh, my mom and I are kind of ahead of other people. And then there's a guide ahead of us. And all of a sudden we hear, run. And I look up and there's a Cape Buffalo. So it's like the size of a car. She's very angry and she's oh, no. running at us. Oh no. And we were told like what will happen in sub-Saharan Africa is the herbivores will get you. Lions don't care. You're too big. A lion is not going to eat you. It is the Cape Buffalo that are real mad. So if you see a Cape Buffalo, you have to climb a tree or you have to like go under something. Oh, Don't run. But you know, like you kind of listen to that and whatever, just lions. But so we run, obviously. The two <laughs> volunteers that were behind us run um, and get into the truck right away. Awesome. Sounds smart. Yeah. Get in there. You know, we all watch Jurassic Park. We know you are safe in a vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> it should be fine. Uh, but Perfect. my mom and I are a bit further ahead. So uh -huh. I, <laughs> I, I'm i fairly tall. My mom is not very tall, but we're both like, you know, sort of um, average size people. I pick up my mm -hmm. mother. Well, I, I had a shovel <laughs> in my hand. I throw the shovel 
I'm a vegan, I should say. I throw the shovel at this Cape Buffalo. It does not care. I pick up my mother and I run with her to this Land Rover. And I like push her in, like push her towards a Land Rover. She tries to scramble on top of it. And I go, no, 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 no. And I grab her from the, the hood, the bonnet, and grab her off of it as a Cape Buffalo hits the front. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'm and I'm making eye contact with my mom. And my mom's back is a Cape Buffalo. And I'm saying, I promise you, you're okay. I promise you're okay. You're okay. And I'm dragging her. You're okay. It is okay. And I drag her to the the front door and I open it up and I throw her in and I slam it closed and I go under the vehicle. And then oh, where wow. <laughs> I just scuttle. Um, and where I close the door, the Cape Buffalo hits again. And then oh, it goes around God. to the back of the vehicle where the other two volunteers are, and it hits once, hits twice. The vehicle is rocking on top of me and we're all just like paralyzed (laughs) and we're waiting and we're waiting and it kind of snorts and it kind of just like walks off, but this really high grass. So like how far did it walk? I don't know. So I jump up, I get into the vehicle, I close the door again and I like touch my mom are you okay? What is going on? Like get eyes on everyone. We're all here. We're all okay. No one was actually hit by anything. Yeah. Everyone, everyone was okay. Everyone's safe. We all had uh, extremely high cortisol. (laughs) We decided (laughs) we would just drive back to camp, but, um, on the way back, we saw just like someone at the conservancy and they're like, whoa, what happened to your vehicle? And there was like some oh, no. dents in it. There's like only one headlight. There's a big dent in the side. We're like, oh, Cape Buffalo. We're like, oh my gosh. And in that time from seeing that one person to getting back to the ranger camp, everyone surrounds us. Everyone who lives there, who cooks there, who goes to school close, who's by a village, everyone has heard that we you know, went up against the Cape Buffalo and we survived. (laughs) Oh my gosh, are you okay? What's happening? Ah! And like, it was so funny because before we left, like my dad made me promise that mom wouldn't get eaten by a lion. (laughs) And I was like, I can, I think I can promise that. Because I've worked in this region and I know that lions are not going to be our problem. And also like, don't worry, it's good. So we got back to camp and we had like a cup of tea and we were just breathing and just going, okay, that was uh, life threatening and changing. Mm -hmm. Um, And also we are not telling father until (laughs) you get home. This is just a classic tale of things going wrong on your travels, the kind that when you listen back to it, it sounds hilarious. But at the time, it would have been anything but hilarious. Uh, But nonetheless, I'm kind of glad Nora experienced it so she could uh, tell this story to us. Now, my next guest is Stacey Melman from Brand USA. And actually, Stacey and I were chatting about her time living in Australia a while back. And we got onto the topic of a side trip they took to Fiji. 
and it didn't all go according to plan. My brother came to visit us when we were living in Sydney and we took some time and we went over to Fiji for um, for a few days to, to go snorkeling and hang out for a little bit. And um, when we were ready to leave the island, there was a cyclone that was headed our way. And so we checked a couple of times to see, you know, would it affect the, the, the big ferry boat that was coming to the small islands to pick us up? And then we would go back to the to the main island for the airport. And we checked a couple of times and they said, no, there's no issue with that. It's okay, fine. We got on the little dinghy boat with our luggage and we're out in the middle of the ocean and it got a little bit more precarious with the water and a little bit more concerning. And we're sitting there, we're sitting there in the water and then they get a radio call and it's revealed that the ferry boat left and couldn't stop because it was too dangerous for this giant ferry boat to be in the middle of the ocean. Now we are in a very small dinghy boat in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> this is the not same good. Situation. And they, the dinghy boat turned around, but they couldn't go back to the island uh, where we were to that side. So they had to go all the way around because of the storm. Oh. So we parked on the other side of the island and they, we were instructed to run back to the, um, the resort and we had to cover. To run? They said, yeah, they, to run, <laughs> run and cover your head because of the falling, falling coconut. Oh, no. so, <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. I know they're very dangerous, but oh my goodness. <laughs> so we are running back to the resort, covering our head to protect us from the falling coconut. We ended up staying there for a couple of days while the storm hit and they would deliver food to our hotel room once a day. And it was an outside, ho- you know, a, a, like a little bungalow. They would deliver food to our bungalow once a day and the guy could come and he was wearing a snorkel mask. (laughs) I think to protect himself from the sand, like the blowing sand. (laughs) But it was one of those stories that you had, like, you know, like the cartoon people who like rub their eyes, like, you know, it just was kind of an unreal experience. Oh, that's awful. Um, and had, had so had the cyclone fully subs- or, and the storms and stuff fully subsided by the time you then had to get in a boat again? Because I would be like, sorry, I can't get in a boat again. I just have to live here forever. <laughs> <laughs> right. Shame. What, what a, what a I mean, horrible yeah, life. Could be worse places. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so it was a couple of days and then the storm um, pulled through and there was a bit of a damage to the resort. Um, but we were able to get back to the main island and then it became a, a little bit of a lottery system at the airport was as you know, <sighs> we we're trying to get out of the out of the country. There are definitely worse places to be stuck for a couple of extra days than a lovely Fijian island. But obviously the scariness of the storm is not ideal either, but uh, they got out okay in the end. Now, my final guest today is Joseph Colapudi, who has a couple of tales of things going wrong, mostly when he's been traveling for work or to present at conferences, which is kind of when you really don't want things to go wrong because, you know, you just have a bit less flexibility and you want to be, you know, at your best. So (laughs) I'll let Joseph tell you about those experiences. When I was um, I was moving to South Asia, um, I'm originally from India myself, but I've been born and raised in Brisbane, lived most of my life here um, in Australia. So when I was moving to, to South Asia for the first time, I remember I was supposed to speak at a college um, in, in the south of India in a, in a place called Hyderabad. And I'd coordinated with the local guy on the ground who was going to pick me up uh, at a certain time. I was I was on the way obviously traveling from Brisbane, had a, had a few layovers. 
landed there ar- around just before midnight um, local time. Mm-hmm. And of course, I have to, you know, be at the college the next day. I had to get some prep in. The first thing that went wrong, of course, is uh, my bag got <laughs> misplaced. So then I, oh, I was no. like, okay, that's fine. You know, I, I'll find it eventually. Managed to find it in the opposite side of the airport <laughs> and picked that up. <laughs> of course. Of course. So I finally got my bags up, you know, went to the lobby where I was supposed to meet the guy. He's not there. So then I realized I also have to have a local SIM card, which in India you have to be a resident to buy. Oh, no. So, again, I couldn't connect to the Wi-Fi because they send a password to your Indian SIM card in order to um, (laughs) use that password to unlock or connect to the Wi-Fi. So I go to a payphone, and then I realized I didn't have any local currency, so then I can't call (laughs) um, the guy I'm supposed to meet. So I thought, okay, I'll just wait for an hour, and then it's an hour and a half and almost two hours. That's so about one, two o'clock in the morning. Um, oh. So I decided to to take my chances, and I'm like, oh, I'll just find a local hotel, and I'll I'll sort of meet the guy in the morning. So then I I order Uber, and then I'm walking down to the, the car park, and then. I get in the wrong Uber, <laughs> which happens oh, no. to be an Uber pool. So he takes me, you know, all around the town because, you know, he's dropping off other people. Finally get to my <laughs> uh, hotel. So I check in. By this time, it's around three or four in the morning. So um, I'm pretty tired, but because of... And you, you have know, to present this day? Yes, this, like, I had to present the same oh. day, yeah. <laughs> oh, Thankfully, it was That's later adorable. later in the day, yeah. So, so it was still. okay, but still, yeah, not not much time to get some rest. <laughs> so I finally get to the room, and then um, because of the jet lag, I wasn't tired enough to sleep. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just you know get get prepped for for the day. So I finally uh, managed to to contact the guy, and he had actually arrived on time, but he had been in another terminal. So, so he was trying to find me the whole time, and I was trying to find him. We, I guess, we got our, our messages crossed. So he right. came to pick me up at the hotel, and then the funny thing is, um, they had a, a schedule change, so I wasn't supposed to present till the next day. So, so thankfully, it worked oh, no. out. It worked out in the end. But that's just one of the stories yes. of things not going according to plan. But I got the opportunity to sort of share actually about. My time in India um, at another conference in Kenya. So never been to Kenya before, and and given the advice that I had, people that said it's quite a long way to travel from Australia. There is no direct mm. flight, so probably it, it must have been my longest travel ever. It took twenty four hours, including like three layovers in two different countries. <laughs> so that was fun. Um, but, but thankfully, no delays in between. So, so that was a relief. Similar thing, I guess, to South Asia, where, you know, you arrive a bit late, have to have to book a, a local taxi, which um, was quite small. So, you know, wouldn't wasn't able to fit all my bags in. So I had to wait for a bigger, <laughs> a bigger taxi, uh, which took longer um, than expected, but managed to get to the uh, conference venue. And similar thing where I had to present, you know, the same day since by that time it was it was quite late. But for some reason, the um, the conference center was at the same location where the hotel was. So it's sort of like a residential facility. 
But when I went there, the doors were locked. So I think the night guard on duty had had taken an earlier break. So I was sort of like wandering around. But for some reason, there was a, there was a gentleman there who I who was a co-presenter with me who had actually arrived at the same time. So thankfully, he had got there a bit early and had managed to to find one of the local sort of watchkeepers. So they let us in, found my room. But but the problem was it was the opposite problem where I fell asleep instantly and then slept in so i i guess the 24 hours of travel had accumulated to a point where i just yeah my body sort of shut down so i crashed pretty hard missed breakfast i think i missed lunch and then i woke up probably like an hour and a half before my presentation so um panicking yeah panic mode definitely panic mode so i was running around because it was quite a big facility trying to find my room uh, where I was going to present, and then I found my co-presenter. Luckily, I had I had sent them the slides ahead of time, so I sort of go there and, and sort of <laughs> looking like a hot mess, but managed to like go through the presentation. Everything was went went according to schedule in terms of what I wanted to present, and and thankfully, you know, it it it, it was all well received. But yeah, just um, some of the joys of, of I guess of traveling. <laughs> Ah, some of the joys indeed. But that's the funny thing. All this stuff going wrong, which we apparently remember with excellent accuracy, it kind of becomes joyful, doesn't it, when we share these stories together. It's a funny thing how that works. But uh, also, hopefully, it reminds us some of the things we can try and do to uh, help fewer things go wrong. Sometimes it's completely out of our control. I was musing that actually I... I can't think of a time when I've travelled for work where anything's gone too badly wrong. And I think I do always try and have like a fair buffer of time. Oh, no, not always. Maybe I've just been really lucky and I've just jinxed myself by recording this sentence. So, yeah, watch this space and see my next uh, my next work trip go crazy. At least I'll have something to talk about, though, on the podcast. So there's that. Anyway, thanks so much for listening to episode 291 of the Thoughtful Travel Podcast. A big thanks, of course, to my guests. I started off chatting with Nora Livingston from Animal Experience International. You can find out more about the trips that they help with at animalexperienceinternational.com. Also, big thanks to Stacey Melman, who's Senior VP at Brand USA. I've got another bit of our chat to come soon uh, about women in travel she's uh, done some great work you can see more about uh, about brand usa at thebrandusa.com and lastly i chatted with joseph colapudi of solve squad uh, which is an organization that kind of matches up volunteers uh, to do online work at solvesquad.co Don't forget, of course, you can come across to the Facebook or LinkedIn groups for Thoughtful Travellers and chat about uh, any of any Thoughtful Travel topics there. I'll leave the links in the show notes, but just search for Thoughtful Travellers in either of those platforms. And all of these links and everything else will be at the show notes. For this episode, they will be at notaballerina.com slash 291. As always, thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of the Thoughtful Travel Podcast. Show notes and other information are at notaballerina.com slash podcast. Join me again soon for another chat about why we travel. Bye for now. Bye.